While every malpractice insurance carrier has their own rating guidelines, most underwriters follow the same general rules when pricing malpractice insurance. So how does your training, scope of practice, and procedure base really affect the cost of your coverage? Today, we're digging into medical specialties to help you understand how your rate is calculated and what you need to know before you add or remove procedures from your practice so that you can scale your practice with confidence. Welcome to Malpractice Insights, the show dedicated to helping healthcare professionals understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. My name is Jennifer Wiggins, CEO of Aegis Malpractice Solutions, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. If you're new to our channel, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We release a new episode every week, both on YouTube and your favorite podcast streaming platform. So be sure to like and subscribe to stay connected. So let's jump in. For many medical specialties, malpractice insurance pricing is broken into three levels, no surgery, minor surgery, and major surgery. The provider's procedures and scope of practice will help the underwriter determine which classification best fits the risk. For example, a dermatologist doing basic sutures and excisions would likely be rated as dermatology no surgery and might pay around $7,000 a year. Whereas a dermatologist doing hair transplants or certain laser procedures might be rated as dermatology minor surgery and may pay around $9,000 a year. Some specialties only fall into one classification based on the nature of their work. Anesthesiology, for example, doesn't have a no minor or major surgery price break. There's just one rate for anesthesiology. Orthopedic surgery usually has two classes, one for orthopedics including back and spine procedures and one without. Specialties such as general surgery, OBGYN, or neurosurgery are generally always rated as major surgery, so there's only one rate for those classifications as well. Malpractice insurance premiums fall into a class of business, which is how the underwriter determines your base rate. When you apply for malpractice insurance, the underwriter will look at your training, your board certification, what specialty you've been practicing for the last several years, along with what you're currently doing to determine what classification you belong in. Lower classes pay less. Higher classes pay more. For example, an allergist would likely be in a class one, and a neurosurgeon would be in a class nine. After your malpractice insurance has been approved and made effective, it's up to you to keep the carrier notified of any changes to your practice going forward. This includes any changes to your specialty, any new procedures that you want to add to your practice, or anything you might want to remove from your practice. When your policy comes up for renewal each year, your agent will usually ask you if anything has changed in your practice to make sure you're still being rated correctly. This is a good time to review your current rating to make sure it still accurately reflects what you're doing in your practice. 
healthcare providers who want to adjust their specialty or scope of practice throughout their career should check with their agent to see how their coverage will be potentially impacted before embarking on the change. Generally, small tweaks to the scope of your practice will not affect your rate, but larger changes might. So let's take a look at what happens if you want to lower your classification. When providers move from a high-risk specialty to a lower-risk specialty, such as an OBGYN who wants to stop doing obstetrics and only wants to do gynecology, there may be tail considerations or other costs involved. If you have a claims-made policy, large risk changes may require you to buy tail. Why, you might ask? Because although you're no longer doing the high-risk work, there is still a chance that you could be named in a claim. So here's what generally happens. If you were paying $50,000 a year for full OBGYN coverage, and now you want to do office gynecology only, which costs maybe $20,000, the carrier still needs to collect enough premium for the risk of future claims that might be reported for OB work that you did in the past. So they'll either make you buy tail, which could cost you $90,000 to $100,000, or they might make you buy down your coverage. With a buy-down, instead of immediately dropping you to the new lower premium, you'll step down gradually over the next three to five years. They might continue to charge you the $50,000 premium for a few years and then gradually lower it to $40,000, then $30,000, then to the $20,000 premium where it will remain for the foreseeable future. Providers who are winding down their practice before retirement should be mindful of this and talk to their agent to understand how coverage will be impacted going forward. If, on the other hand, you were on an occurrence policy and wanted to drop obstetrics from your practice, there is no tail requirement and there's usually no buy-down. The underwriter will simply drop you to the new premium immediately. By the way, if you need a refresher on the difference between occurrence and claims made coverage, we have a full episode on this topic. So we'll link it here in the show and we'll also put it in the show notes for you to review after this episode. Now let's take a look at the other end of the spectrum. And let's say you want to add some procedures to your practice. Maybe you've finished an intensive training on a new state-of-the-art medical procedure that you're excited to offer to your patients. You market the procedure on your website and your social media, and you schedule your first few appointments. No worries, right? Well, it might be time to pump the brakes. Before you launch into offering a new medical procedure, or before you even pay for the training, check to see how it might affect your malpractice insurance. Here are some questions for you to ask. First, is it covered under your existing policy? If not, can it be added? Second, will it affect your rate? Third, what happens if you offer the procedure for a few years and then stop doing it? And fourth, who is allowed to administer the procedure? Does it have to be you or can it be a member of your staff? Beyond the actual cost of adding the new procedure to your office, it's important that you find out if your malpractice insurance is even willing to insure it. 
Remember that malpractice insurance companies are generally risk adverse. They aren't big fans of high risk procedures or new things that haven't been tested yet, mainly because they don't know how to rate it. So be sure to talk to your malpractice insurance agent before you begin to offer a new service at your practice. Taking a little time to research this upfront will save you time, money, and stress down the road. If you have any questions on this topic or you want to make sure that you're covered appropriately, click the link in the description box below where you can connect with us via phone, email, or chat today. And if you're listening, please visit us online at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. We have some great episodes lined up in the next few weeks. I hope you found this one helpful. If so, could you do me a favor and leave us a like and a review? And be sure to subscribe to our show so that you can catch our next installment of Malpractice Insights, where we're dedicated to helping you understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. This is Jennifer Wiggins. Thanks for joining us.